Hello, and welcome to the Wheel of Time Rewind Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Whitford. Hello, so excited to be here this week. So, Mike, what are we going to be talking about this week? Oh, man, so this past Friday was the New York City Comic Con, um, and the Wheel of Time had a panel there where they released some news, nothing too crazy, but some stuff definitely... Um, we need to bring up and talk about and then they also released a new uh, teaser for or a scene um, that will also be breaking down yeah and the scene there is going to be the big meat of it all uh, because like you said a lot of the panel wasn't anything too earth shattering but having new footage of episode one of the wheel of time series that is the big deal there So before we jump into that, I'm just going to give the friendly reminder of where you can follow us and contribute to the podcast by asking questions or anything like that. If you want to send us an email, that is wheelofTimeRewind at gmail.com. Or if you're on social media for Instagram or Twitter, it is at WOTRewind. And I just mentioned that we're going to be reading questions that we receive from the social media accounts on the podcast here. So we have our first question that I think we should just start off here. Yeah, it's exciting. So uh, this first question comes from Miss M. Parker on Instagram. So her question is this. Hey, I just listened to episode two and three. Great job, guys. And I have a question. I'm also re-listening to the series, and I am going New Spring, Eye of the World, The Great Hunt, which is the order I originally listened to the series in. So by the time I met the Edmonds Fielders, I was already on Moraine's side. I did not get why Rand and the rest of everyone in Edmonds Field didn't just trust Moraine. She's awesome. Anyways, to my question... Do you think that if I read the books in order, starting with the Eye of the World, that I would have identified more with the Emmons Fielders and their initial mistrust of Moraine? All right. So, Mike, what is your response to that? (laughs) Well, thank you so much um, for listening and submitting a question. So I was, I, I mean, that's really cool that you read through the prequel and then went through the series in that order. That's, um, I don't think a lot of a lot of people who started with the series probably didn't read it that way. And so that's, it is a really interesting perspective to have because I agree after reading new spring, you definitely get Moraine's side of the story and her motivation and why she's doing what she's doing. Um, when I started reading, I started with eye of the world and I actually didn't read new spring until after crossroads of twilight. Uh, so it was really later on that I read that. And then I was like, Oh, that's cool. It patches in some holes. Um, but I will say reading Eye of the World first and um, then, you know, the second and third book, The Great Hunt and Dragon, uh, The Dragon Reborn, I always kind of, I always wondered about that too, like why the boys were so resistant to Moraine helping. And um, I, as I said earlier in the, the first episode, I read these books way back in like high school and then again and after a couple rereads i started to realize that robert jordan was really trying to get you to put yourselves in these kids shoes where they're these farmers they're 
in this rural part of the world. They just hear these stories about Aes Sedai taking advantage of people, not telling the truth. They know that they're getting taken from their home. Um, and, you know, she has said that she values her mission more than their lives at one point because of, uh, you know, different conversations they had and <laughs> being chased by Trollocs and Murdral and she opposes the Dark One. But I, I would agree with you in the sense that I don't, still reading it now, I still can't quite grasp why they're so against her. But that's just my perspective is that it, it's, I think Robert Jordan was really trying to get us to buy into the boys, you know, really not trusting her since they had she had taken her from this, their home and this whole like perspective or belief about um, Aes Sedai in the world. Dylan, what about you? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that when you have this conversation, you have to like think about the perspective of the Emmonsfielders, particularly Rand, Perrin, and Matt. Um, since they are men, and men above all have more reasons to be wary about if an Aes Sedai wants or has interest in you. Um, so what I feel like is what you also emphasize there is that the experience or lack thereof that these farmers have had with Aes Sedai and the world at large really played into their mistrust because all they heard about Aes Sedai was how they were tricky, how they were like almost as bad as the Dark One himself. And like these were stories they were fed from their parents, from their town folk, and nothing that they had firsthand experience of, firsthand knowledge of, or anything like that. So when they finally meet this Aes Sedai, she's bundling them up and grabbing them and taking them out of town. And that's scary for a farmer who has never been farther than Tarn Ferry before. So you have all that lack of experience coming into it. And I also feel like a big part of this is that you have New Spring itself, which is a prequel book to the series of The Wheel of Time. And like Mike, I did not read New Spring until later on. Probably, I think I read, the, for the first time, I think I read New Spring after I had finished the entire Wheel of Time series. So New Spring, for those of you who do, who do not know, uh, the prequel book follows Moraine, and it follows Lan, and it follows how they meet. It follows Moraine's journey from Accepted to Aes Sedai. And it's a really early on Moraine that you get introduced to in that book. And I feel like the youth and just her being the main character really endears her to you as the reader within that book, within New Spring. And that's something that you don't have when you first meet her in Eye of the World. When you first meet her in Eye of the World, Moraine is this stranger from outside the two rivers. She is mysterious. Nobody knows exactly what she's doing there. So I feel like that same ingratiating youth and exuberance that she has in New Spring, it was not necessarily present to her since you get the very first chapter in Eye of the World, you get Rand's perspective. So you're like, okay, this right here, I'm going to be sitting with this character. He's the main character. And so that's where I feel like that siding more with Moraine uh, comes in. Because you get her, if you read New Spring first, you get her perspective right off the bat. 
And so you already are locked in. You're loving Moraine. And as you read the series, you come to like Moraine quite a bit, at least especially I did. But it's uh, one of those things where starting off with a character, I think feel like really dictates where you go with your love of the characters. Yeah, and you never really get Moraine's perspective in at least the first couple books. Like, you always get, like, her coming over and sharing, like, tidbits of information, but not everything. And so, from at least from the Edmonds Fielder's perspective, she's holding things back. She's telling these half-truths or these only partial truths, and it leads to mistrust for them. Whereas, like, we as the readers realize, like, she's just trying to help them. Like, the little bits we do get from her. And so I think it does create this really interesting dynamic where the characters aren't necessarily trusting, but we as the readers are like, we love you. (laughs) Why don't you love her too? Right. Um, But again, thank you so much for the question. We will be reading off all the questions we get on the podcast here. And so we look forward to answering any more that anybody has for us. Um, So getting back to the topic at hand for today, uh, we're going to be talking about, again, the New York City Comic Con uh, panel for Wheel of Time, the implications and what was announced at that panel, and then also going over the new clip that was shared, um, which is a clip from the Wine Spring Inn in episode one for Wheel of Time here. So Mike, why don't we get started with talking about some of the revelations that we had from the panel here. Yeah, so um, obviously New York City Comic Con is a big event, and it was really cool that Wheel of Time had, you know, a panel there, and it was being discussed, and I saw all over social media people were freaking out um, due to some of the news that came out of it, including a couple uh, casting decisions for season two. Two of the characters aren't named, that we do know the actresses, and um, one of the other characters was named. And then uh, we also received some interesting news about the cast members themselves. Uh, one of the things that was pretty interesting, at least I thought, um, from the cast member side of things, is that the cast for A Wheel of Time, or sorry, for The Wheel of Time, is actually reading the book series themselves. And they're quite a ways in already. And that's something that you don't really get for every single uh, show. For example, uh, Game of Thrones, the actors and actresses for Game of Thrones, the main characters didn't necessarily read the book. So having the people that are playing Rand, playing Egwene, playing Nynaeve, you know, all of these major cast members reading the book series and by all accounts they're already on like book 12 book 13 it's crazy so they have a big head start on us um but having them invested in reading the book series is awesome it just it tells us that you know these are people who are taking the chance with this series seriously And it's something that will allow them to really see, like, where their character goes and, like, how they want to take their acting and portrayal of these characters down the road. Mike, why don't we get into some of the casting news here? Who was announced and who was not announced? Okay, so um, we've got three new actresses who have been put in the role, or into different roles. So we have Sierra Khan, uh, 
Kavani, um, but she was in The Amazing World of Emma, and she's going to be playing Elaine Tricand um, in at least season two, which brings out so many questions for so fans of the series <laughs> about how far and what they're covering in the first season and what might be getting cut in the first season. So that's going to be interesting to see. But Elantric, uh, Elaine in the book series is a very important protagonist, especially with like Egwene's uh, story. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they weave her into the pattern. Right. And so just like a quick backstory on Elaine Tricand, she is the daughter heir of Andor, which means she is basically the princess of Andor. Because in... Uh, in the Wheel of Time here, her mother, Morgaze, is the queen of Andor. And one of the things that has happened with the queens of Andor for thousands of years is the queen of Andor goes to Tarbalan and trains to become, like, not full Aes Sedai, but is trained by the Aes Sedai at Tarbalan and then sent back to Andor, to Camelon in, in particular, the capital, uh, to rule there. So Elaine is the daughter heir, meaning she's next in line for the throne of Andor. And so she, unlike her mother, has high potential for her ability to channel, which is something that she is being pushed to do when she does go to the tower. And so she's going to be training at the tower to hone her channeling abilities as well as learn what the Aes Sedai have to teach her about ruling. And she's a major character in the series here, and seeing her pushed back to season two is a little eyebrow-raising, because she is a character in the book series, in Eye of the World, that you're first introduced to, albeit kind of like a cameo, earlier in the series, kind of like halfway through book one. So... Having her first appearance pushed back to season two definitely raises questions, but she's an actress that I'm very excited for. Uh, she looks great, looks just like Elaine is described in the books here, and I can't wait to see more details about it. Yeah, me neither. Now, our other two actresses, um, these ones, we can only speculate on who they're going to play since neither one has had a... Uh, it hasn't come out who what characters they're supposed to play. And so we have Natasha O'Keefe, who's from Peaky Blinders. And then we have Mira Sial, who's from, uh, who also appeared in Broadchurch. And these are supposed to be series regulars, so that means they should be showing up fairly frequently. Now, Natasha O'Keefe has this very, at least in her photo, this kind of regal beauty to her. Very, I almost want to say kind of cold beauty to her um at least in this photo it's black and white so it probably accentuates that feeling but me and dylan have differences on who we think it could be i believe she uh could become a late uh elida who is a Aes Sedai sister um, of the red aja and actually works with or was the advisor for elaine Tricane's mother the queen of andor the other person that natasha could be that, you know, we're kind of split on our decision here, is the character of Lanfear. And now Lanfear is one of the Forsaken, uh, which is, you know, one of the powerful Aes Sedai users, or one of the powerful power users from the Age of Legends, who was on the side of the Dark One. And Lanfear 
why she what part of what makes her very interesting is that she was in love with Luz Theron and Telemond, um, aka the dragon from the Age of Legends. And when she was spurned by him, that's kind of when she went to the dark side and became Lanfear. But both of these characters, Elida and Lanfear, are both important within the series. So whichever one Natasha is portraying, I am there for. Yeah, and then our other actress, as I said, is Natasha, or not Natasha, sorry, Mira. And she definitely gives me vibes for Varen Sedai, who is a sister of the Brown Aja. She is a very important character throughout the series as well. Yeah, and Mike and I are in total agreement here, and I think most of the internet is in agreement as well, <laughs> because Mira looks like she's going to play a great Varen, and Varen is one of those characters who is just tons of fun because she's full of surprises throughout the entire series. And she is one of the characters who is heavily involved with our main characters and teaching them and guiding them. And I am very excited to see her portrayal on screen. All right. So next up, we are going to talk about this clip that we saw of the Wine Spring Inn. Oh, so cool i just i just got to take a moment and just say it looked awesome the they had so many people packed in there i mean whenever i read the book i never envisioned it like packed like that but this makes so much sense and i was just like this is great it brings so much life to the two rivers it makes it feel like very like a close-knit community ah so cool yeah it really seemed like everybody in the village was packed into the wine spring inn So just to give like a breakdown of like what you see in this clip, you see the wine spring in full of people laughing, drinking, smoking the two rivers tabak, (laughs) which is a big export of the two rivers. Then you also see, uh, you see Rand and Perrin standing on the wall, mean mugging and just looking out at everybody. Um, Rand is giving Egwene the eyes and she's looking at him like she is like, don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm working. And uh, so, but then Lan bursts in to the, to the I, said, I said burst in, but that might be a little extreme. Um, Ran, or sorry, Lan comes into the inn and he's like, or everyone's like, who are you? We don't know you. We know everybody Da-da-da. here. And he's like, yeah. I'm Lan Mandregor. Here's Moraine. <laughs> and then Moraine just walks in out of the rain and just starts coming in by the fire and shows off her great serpent ring to the innkeeper. And everyone's like, oh, I said I. And then that's the end of the, the clip there. So Mike mentioned how the how vibrant and how lively that the scene seems. And you definitely get like that feeling of joy, that feeling of close knit community by everybody being there in the end. Um, so what are your other thoughts on the clip that we saw, Mike? So we've talked about this, but it is very different from the books. Whereas in the books, the characters show up and Moraine and Lan are just already there at the inn. This creates really a dramatic entrance. It also introduces right away that she is an Aes Sedai, which in the book series, they kind of keep hidden for a little bit as Robert Jordan builds this narrative of the two rivers and of Aes Sedai 
through um, just dialogue between characters. I think they did a really nice job with this clip because they really created this air one of the two rivers all like staring at them because they're strangers. And then when she shows that she's nice to die, there's like whispers and like looking um, between people and at her. And you get this kind of feeling that they're all like almost waiting for her to do something or like I felt this tension as I was watching it. And I was like, ooh, that's great. That's great. Right. And like part of that tension is because in the clip, Nynaeve is grabbing her knife and being like, who are you? Tell me what you're doing here <laughs> and trying to be the intimidating wisdom. And it is crazy. Um, but I'll say this, like I have some complaints about this scene. Um, and part of my biggest complaint was the little that we saw of the great serpent ring. Um, the great serpent ring in the books, you know, is described as being like the simple golden ring Whereas in the clip that we saw here, it was like this fat silver ring with a giant stone that was blue, probably to indicate Moraine's Aja on it. And it just, it looked very, very different from what it was described as in the book series. And it looked a little funky. What were your thoughts on the serpent ring there, Mike? I didn't really get like a great view of it so i agree with you i wish i had been able to see it just a little bit better yeah i mean so we each only watched this clip one time um but it was before recording this podcast at least um but it was one of those things that like really stood out to me and caught my attention was the ring bit there the other part that i thought was a little a little funky was how lana moraine entered and it was really done for television, I feel like, as, like, an awe, like, inspiring, show-stopping moment where this Aes Sedai comes in. Because one thing that Lan always always tries to be within the books is he's always careful. He's always, like, not, he's not drawing attention to everyone. So having him almost be, like, the, uh, like, grand introductor of Moraine, like, and this this is Moraine type of situation was a little, a little campy, (laughs) but, but we'll see how it goes because the rest of the scene, like you said, Mike just gave off such warmth and such vibrancy that had me excited for what we were going to be seeing. And it really reminded me of like the scenes from Lord of the Rings that you saw within Hobbiton and just like everybody at the bars, dancing, laughing, drinking, having a grand old time so i'm not super impressed by what i saw but i am still for the most part liking the direction i'm seeing the show go so one of the other things we wanted to bring up here and we've been trying to do this every episode um, was to catch you guys up on where we are within the book series ourselves because we are rereading the series Um, We've both already finished the series, myself once and Mike multiple times, but we're uh, we're trying to get through a good chunk of it before the series kicks off on November 19th. So, Mike, where are you at with your reread, or should I say re-listen to, of the series? I had said in an earlier episode that I was going to be listening to it and then reading it at night. Um, I've changed strategies as I've started rereading the Sandman series as well in anticipation of that Netflix series coming out and so I'm reading the Sandman series at night night, but during the day I am reading 
the wheel or listening to the wheel of time series you know anything to help with my pronunciation listen i'm a third grade teacher <laughs> and i struggle with some of this but um right now i finished the great hunt um so that's three books done and i'm a little ways into the dragon book reborn i'm about in six chapters or so which is i know nowhere near where you are at so where are you done well with your reading? i gotta say i gotta give you lots of credit because you've caught up quite a bit or maybe it's just me starting to slack i'm not quite sure which but right now i am also on the dragon reborn i am about a little more than halfway through the book um so like you i too am listening via audio and audiobook i should say and so where I'm at, I have about 11 hours left in the book right now, which, like I said, is a little more than halfways. But I'm uh, only reading Wheel of Time right now. I'm not reading anything else. So I think that you have me beat in that respect. Well, one of the things that I will share as well is that Mike did go the extra mile and he got me this pretty cool Wheel of Time shirt. I'm going to be posting a picture of it on our Instagram account and uh, on our Twitter as well. So you guys will be able to see that. But what the shirt is, it's kind of like this twisting of the words of the Koreathon cycle, which is the prophecies of the dragon, which is pretty cool. I, I'm digging it. So we will be sharing that out as well. So you guys can check that out and give the, the love or hate that you feel. <laughs> With that said, uh, please reach out to us if you have any questions, any comments, anything you want shared on the podcast. Um, you can find us again at WOT Rewind on Instagram and Twitter and at Wheel of Time Rewind at gmail.com for an email address. With that said, we'll see you guys at the next turning of the wheel. Goodbye. Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Bye.